On this week's episode of the Wanderings and Wool Gathering podcast, Teabags rewrites the rules to his own challenge while schooling me on instrumentals. Echo and the Bunnymen are in the mix this week, and Foggy does his best to keep us in line for the show. Welcome to Episode 6 of the Wanderings and Wool Gathering podcast. It has been a huge week since our last episode. We had the insanity of the UFC last night, The Walking Dead, and Doctor Who both returned this week. And my beloved Blackhawks lost a thriller in overtime, 7-6. to six. But all the while, music just keeps plugging on, and that's why I'm here with T-Bags and JPP. What's up, fellas? Yo. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good, man. How was your week, Tony? Oh, it was, uh, it was a week. It was good. How was, yeah. how was yours? Yeah. It's been very productive, so bear with me if I yawn a lot. I've been painting at the in-law's house, so, okay. um, you know, the, the physical labor has... Uh, kind of tuckered me out. In fact, I wrote down a bunch of notes for today and my hands are stiff and sore, so I don't know if I can read them, so we'll give it a shot. Okay, sounds good. Steve, how was your week? Oh, it was not too bad. Uh, seemed to get a lot of work done. Wrote another good. essay for my college class and uh, things are going pretty well. Sweet. I'm ready to get after it, though. We got we have a challenge ahead of us. Yes. Tony, do you want to remind us about that challenge? Yeah, um, so the challenge was that you should bring to the table an instrumental that moves you, um, a song with lyrics that move you, and preferably talk about the lyrics that, that move you. And then for bonus points, if you can take a song, even if it's one of those or something different, and uh, relate it to a time that like really roots you back in time. And I meant all the way through, like you feel like you're back there, you can smell the air and all that kind of stuff. So, simple one. Well, Paul, since I apparently didn't listen to our own podcast last week and missed the third part, do you want to take a take a chance on this one first of all? <laughs> yeah, what have I got to lose at this point? It's all good. <laughs> so, yeah, Tony, I took your your challenge to heart, and let me just say, this is a tough one. Um, I'm sure we all are going to encounter challenges within the challenge, just because with music, it's very hard to pick. Whenever I have conversations with people, I'm like, hey, what's your favorite band? What's this? Mm-hmm. That's like trying to pick a favorite kid. You know, it's <laughs> it's impossible to do because there's so much music, so much mood, oh, yeah. and there's just so many things to sort through because every song has its own personality too, much like your children. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to uh, steal a point from your drinking game for the instrumental. Sweet. And uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with the Nine Inch Nails tune, particularly La Mer from The Fragile. Um, the reason I went with that was it's a fantastic song in the first place just because it has a nice little cycling piano piece that starts off the tune. But beyond that, it really just builds up over time. There's a background and a foreground, mm-hmm. much like looking at a painting. Uh, you definitely hear depth and dimension with parts coming in and going out. Uh, you know, like There's uh, some nice little staccato elements that just kind of bounce in that are in the background. And if you listen on headphones, you definitely hear space and dimension in the tune. Yes. Um, and it just really just keeps evolving. The problem with some instrumentals out there is there's not much change, and so it turns into a three-minute ditty that just kind of goes through the motions and, and calls it a day. I've been guilty of writing stuff like that, especially when you know I feel like there's a good moment going on, but I can't get past the hurdle and, and continue it forward. But Trent 
certainly nails it, especially at the end when there's a nice gritty distortion tone that just pedals through the whole song yeah. and, and uh, you know, just builds it up to its climactic point. Yes. So that's my instrumental that truly moves me. Um, take a drink on behalf of Tony. Okay. Via yeah, me. Everybody pause for a second. <laughs> Hang on. Here we go. Uh-oh. Mine's already cracked. Darn it. Oh. There you go. <laughs> Man, too bad we can't redo that. I would go... <laughs> at the you end can edit it and post. Okay. Oh, got it. That was a great one. Uh, yeah. So I'm well, gonna stay quiet. I have too much to say about that. Go ahead. <laughs> cool. Yeah, we'll interject <laughs> at the end. Um, for for a song with lyrics, this kind of tied into kind of taking me back in time as well. Um, there was a band in the '90s called Drown um, that. I found them on a concrete corner cassette. Do you guys remember those? Oh um, no, I don't. What was that? Okay, so back in the day of going to the record store, there would be this little bin as you'd work or walk into the door, and you could grab free cassettes. And Concrete Corner was typically one of those that was in there. And it was from a label, and they just put together this comp compilation every week or month, and it would have various artists for you to discover. And there was a song on there uh, from from Drown, and uh, it's, uh, what was it, What It Is To Burn was the name of that particular song. So it definitely made me aware of the group. I bought their CD, and it just blew me away. It was produced by Dave Ogilvie, uh, first oh, off. Nice. So uh, it definitely has an industrial vibe to it. Uh, very hard rock, lots of heavy guitar. What's interesting is the singer just really kind of shouted over the, the tunes, but his intensity and his conviction behind what he was doing really just drove the lyrics home. Um, there was a song called Pieces of Man that was on that album, and the lyrics just really talked about um, kind of being, you know, kind of effed over by <laughs> yeah. somebody uh, to keep it kid friendly on here. But, you know, there was uh, basically, uh, uh, what was it? Scars don't heal when, when they're formed on the inside, the mind can't kill what it sees on the outside. And, you know, of course with metal and heavier uh, music, there's going to be a lot of kind of negativity and, and social stigmas talked about in, in the songs. Mm -hmm. But the, the lyrics really just hit home at that time because I was a senior in high school. I was starting to get out into the real world and working a job and starting to interact with people outside of my social circles. And then just kind of seeing, especially when you're working some of these, you know, day jobs at, at an entry level, that people really just weren't um, as kind as much as my community around me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, I just started to get aware and, and, kind of wise up to the fact that sometimes you just got to watch your back and and uh you know that music just kind of became an anthem for me that year so that's that's that one for that's me that's great and I, I i've never heard any of that really so i'm going to check our own show cool. notes well, for that steve did you know about concrete corner i did not that's really cool yeah yeah that's uh that was a uh, something that um uh, our mutual friend mundy and i would always grab when we were in in karma or one of the record stores that that uh distributed them so um i may have a few of those lying around if i do i'll, I'll bring one over to show you guys something oh, that'd be great you need to borrow a pencil so you can wind it up uh you know i've got some of those too i'll, I'll bring one of the push pencils that fits just perfectly <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm here to deliver guys what can nice. i say uh, so, so here, you ready for my bonus yeah, points? Yeah. All right. Don't laugh, but every time I hear "Christmas in <laughs> Hollis" by Run DMC, it takes me back to a particular moment it. in time. Yes. 
I was uh, in my sister's Camaro. She had a brand new like mid eighties Camaro and it was Christmas Eve. We were running around wrapping up some last minute holiday goodies, Christmas shopping and stuff. And um, she had her little dog with her. And so I'd stay in the car with him and she'd run to the store, pick up something and, and run right out. I think she already had things pre-ordered and just had to run to the counter, grab it and get in the car and go. And so that song came on the radio and, and that was probably like the third time I'd heard it. And I was fascinated by Run DMC at that time. So I asked her to turn it up. So she did. And, and uh, so we were blasting that song, driving down the fountain and uh, enjoying some <laughs> Christmas and Hollis and just being excited for the time with family and, and the holidays. Paul. That's cool. You know what? I, I'm not laughing because I can clearly remember playing that song while we decorated a Christmas tree <laughs> at my house when I was in high school. So uh, I feel you on that song. And I just played it last year for my secretary in the athletic office. She did not enjoy it like <laughs> beautiful. <we do. laughs> That's fantastic, actually. I mean, Man. I, I would have never guessed that, Paul. But I'm not laughing, really. I'm not. Um, yeah, uh, it is a classic. I'm going to interject for a second because I was kind of. I think I don't know if it was during the show or off the air, but we kind of. You had mentioned La Mer um, mm-hmm. last week, um, and it's you know I'm I'm that jerk I'm that like uber fanboy that's like oh well actually you know and so <laughs> and I'm not trying to be that right now but um La Mer has lyrics to it and so it's in French but I remember looking it up a long time ago so once you mentioned that I was like really hoping that you'd pick it again just so I could talk about the lyrics on here for one second um did you know that had lyrics it's kind of spoken in the background right yeah yeah it's some it's like French it's a woman's voice so it's not it's not like Trent is on there singing but uh, okay. But what's interesting is the translation is, and when the day arrives, I'll become the sky, and I'll become the sea, and the sea will come to kiss me, for I am going home. Nothing can stop me now. Wow. Which nothing can stop me now is obviously a pretty mm-hmm. heavy theme within Nine Inch Nails. So yeah, um, that's that's wild. Yeah, because yeah, I always kind of considered that more of a sample than the actual like a lyrical uh, movement yeah. in the piece. See, we should drink because Paul's talking technical here. <laughs> You know, technically right. speaking, I don't think I, she was in the studio. I'm too busy over here taking away his bonus points because that had lyrics. <laughs> no, no. Wah, wah. I'm kidding. Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm honestly not being jerk because I thought I thought it was an instrumental for the longest time, too. And then it just, like, caught my ear one time. And, and then, you know, I had to look it up. So, Well, that, that uh, I'm enlightened. Thank you. You're, you're welcome. I'm enlightened by the concrete corner, which I have been yes. in multiple stores all of my life and uh, never noticed that. So, um, yeah, Steve, you wanna you wanna take a stab at it, and I'll try to correct you on something and be a jerk. Had a boy. <laughs> I want you to step in and say, actually, at some point during this, yeah, I know okay. you will. <clears throat> um, okay, so that's two <laughs> drinks. It's about to be three. <laughs> there's, there's no way I was doing an instrumental and it wasn't going to be Rush. There's just no way. Right. Exactly. So, but of course there were choices to be made. So in my mind, there were really three, um, the rhythm method, which is the amazing drum solo. And then, mm-hmm. um, the fourth song in the gangster of boats trilogy, which was, uh, it's pretty amazing, but it's certainly not as well known as the others. And then of course the champion of all their instrumentals is YYZ which is incidentally the airport identification code of Toronto. And so the the cool thing is they, as they uh, tell the story, they were flying in after a show and they were coming into Toronto. And so what they do is instead of saying 
the identification code, they do it in Morse code. So what they did is they took the Morse code for YYZ, and that is how the song starts, that beat, that rhythm. It's really cool. And then the rest of the song is essentially just supposed to encapsulate what it means to be in an airport, the, the comings, the goings, the coming back together with people, uh, you know, the leaving. And so that mm-hmm. whole arrangement is based around that Morse code um, and the feeling of being in airports. It's on um, That's awesome. moving pictures, which um, okay. is, so I guess part of this challenge was that it's supposed to be an instrumental that means something or takes you somewhere. And I can clearly remember, you know, laying on the bed with the turntable going. Um, obviously, we had this on on uh, vinyl back then, getting out the liner notes, looking at everything because, you know, moving pictures is one of the most iconic rock albums of all time. Um, and this is just a brilliant little nugget that gets overshadowed by, you know, Tom Sawyer. So that's, <laughs> that's my great. I'm going to, I'm going to interject for a second, Paul, because you're, you're so technical. Did you know that about the Morse code? Cause I, I didn't. I did. Yeah. There was a friend of mine that okay. is also a diehard rush fan who I talked to and said, be sure to listen to the podcast and have your drinks ready. Um, and he, <laughs> in the past when he and I were out on job sites and, and whatnot, we'd listen to, uh, various music or talk about, uh, various bands. He's really into Prague. And, um, you know, he always talked about some of the concepts that rush employed in, in their songs, you know, particularly he was a really huge fan of, of, um, Neil's lyric writing uh, and just the overall process that Rush used to effectively complete their albums. He, he knew it by heart. So, Steve, if you ever got together with him, I think um, you two would drink each other to the floor with this game. <laughs> I think we're going to have to show, have a show one of these times where if I can make it without saying Rush or Tony can make it without saying that, I just know somebody drinks a six-pack or something. That's right. I don't think it's happening. <laughs> but, yeah, I'd love to see a show where Rush or Nine Nails is on it. So That's right. <laughs> We'll see how it goes. That'd be amazing. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry, Steve. I just wanted to get Paul's take on that, but go ahead. What's your lyric song? All right. Well, oddly enough, it is not Rush um, because oh. their lyrics do tend to be a bit clunky. Uh, they're so story driven um, that they aren't the smoothest of lyrics in the world. I can even admit that. So <laughs> I went two different places. Um, as I thought about this was really hard. I cannot, I thought when you told us this last week that this was going to be a slam dunk, that I was just going to run right to a song. And, but when Uh you start thinking about the lyrics and the time and taking you back somewhere, it gets a little sticky. Um, one of my first thoughts was, uh, Sarah McLaughlin fumbling towards ecstasy. Um, Mm, and that whole album, what was that? 94, I think Mm -hmm. 95. And that was a special time, uh, for me and Mary Ann at the time, Tony's sister. Uh And, um, but the lyric lyrics, as far as that goes, didn't, for me, that wasn't going to be the answer. Um, it's amazing, but there are some that are just brutally honest and talk about, you know, losing a loved one or whatever. And that certainly wasn't the time, what I was feeling at the time. I was just amazed by the music. So I I went in a different direction and, Mm -hmm. um, I went with mayonnaise, uh, because that, that song takes me back to, you know, probably the best of times for me and Marianne when we first got together. And um, I don't even, you know, if you were to say, what's that song about? It's so many different things. It's hard to even paint it, but there's a, a part towards the end um, where he kind of rambles on at this point. He's, you know, he says fool enough to almost be it and cool enough to not quite see it old enough <laughs> to always feel this 
always old, I'll always feel this. No more promise, no more sorrow, no longer will I follow. Can anybody hear me? I just want to be me. And it's like, to me, that's a point in my life where I was ready kind of to take off with not necessarily the new me, but the the me that was the second half of a a partnership for the rest of my life. And um, it's not that I was necessarily a follower, but... um, I was. I was a person I could just be me. Marianne allows me to be me, loves me for me. And that song just really, I think that whole thing just kind of encapsulates that whole feeling at the time. And incidentally enough, it's kind of the song that we love together. It's hard to say that's our song, but it's our song. So <laughs> Very cool. That is my choice. Yeah, that's cool. I knew that was a special song to you, but I didn't know the whole story. Yeah. So, I mean, for yeah. other reasons, too. I just love the sound of it, you know. Cause yeah. I think Billy is really fantastic with lyrics. I mean, I think sometimes I can get away from him and people don't understand him. Or, but I still feel like he's writing for him and not to be pretentious. I really like how he writes. Yeah, I do too. And one of those songs that just kind of flies under the radar as far as they go is 33. That's got some lyrics that just blow me away. I just, mm-hmm. The phrasing and uh, the way it's it hard, it isn't together. it? To... Word choice. Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, that's just, you're talking about one band and you're, you know, after you talk about 33, you could probably talk about another song from them and then another band. And I, this challenge I think was very, very hard. Yeah. So, um, do you have a, do you have a song off the top of your head that just puts you in a certain place or oh, you, you damn right I do that? Tony. <laughs> well, then I'm taking this challenge it. home. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is okay. This there's no deep meaning to this at all. This is all cornball. But um, hey, Steve, before you start, let me do the golf commentary. Sure. Steve, Steve's about to drive it home with his back in time tune. <laughs> Don't you forget about me. Uh, yeah. This that song takes me back to those uh, early mid '80s. That whole rat. What were they? They're the, yeah, they were the Rat Pack, weren't they? Or the no, the, the Brat, Brat Pack, pack yeah. yeah. Kind mm-hmm. of a play on the old yeah. Brat Pack. Yes. Um, and songs like that and Stop, I'll Stop the World and Melt With You. 16 mm-hmm. Candles, Breakfast Club. That was just such a great time. You know, you're in middle school, yes. it's carefree. Those are some great tunes that will last forever and still sound great. Um, whenever I hear those, it always takes me back to that time. Yeah, for sure. I almost went with uh, movies, too. I think there's part of that, and maybe it still happens, we're just not kids anymore, but you want your life to be like that. I mean, it's a soundtrack for the movie, but then you want to, you want to be that cool guy in the show and you want everything to work out perfectly. And, you know, it just, uh, but that, that especially breakfast club and any, any of those films were just fantastic. Don't you forget about me. I don't know how that can't be associated with that at this point. If anybody hears it. Right. Um, you know, it's just funny because the, those movies had a feeling of like validation and redemption at the end. And those songs kind of bring that feeling back for me when I hear them too. That's a good point. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh-oh. Do I have to do this challenge? You going to take a breather, Tony, and get ready? <laughs> yeah, I should. Tony's feeling the I pressure. Feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, he's taking a cart and leaving. Um, <laughs> I really, like, I mean, I was just talking to my wife about this before, before we started recording, and I was like, I'm actually, like, anxious. Like, I did this challenge, and I'm nervous about it. I... I I, I notoriously can't even shop for cereal. I'm in that aisle for like 20 minutes. So picking out a song is tough. But anyway, here we go. Okay, so, you know, when I give a challenge, I always cheat. So um, <laughs> here, here's a, <laughs> it's the tea bags way. Um, 
Here's a couple of instrumentals. One is, and I like it for two reasons, but Moonlight Sonata by Beethoven, mm -hmm. or Beethoven, mm -hmm. however you want to say it. And um, I love the song anyway. I think that's just, uh, what I did notice throughout this challenge is that I think I'm drawn to kind of more melancholy sounds. And so um, there's just something about how that song is arranged that's, that just kind of, you get that kind of feeling from the opening few notes. But then, if anybody saw, speaking of movies, Immortal Beloved with Gary Oldman. Mm -hmm. um, did you guys see that? Paul, have you seen it? What was it again? Immortal Beloved by or with Gary Oldman. I have not, but uh, it, Gary Oldman, I'm sold on it already. Okay, well, you should check that out. It's a really good one. But there's a scene where he's playing Moonlight Sonata, and he's actually just like... You know, he's in all black in this big room with a piano and he's got his, he's just, he keeps getting closer and closer until he's just laying his head on the piano and playing because the vibrations are coming up to him. And, uh, it's a pretty powerful scene, Sweet. but I like the, I like the song. So there's that one. And then of course I'm going to go with Nine Inch Nails. Um, and I'm going to go with A Warm Place off the Downward Spiral mm -hmm. because Actually, that also... Tony, there's gibberish in the background. <laughs> that's just me talking about how much i love it oh thanks my bad it's all right uh, <laughs> there might be gibberish i need to go back and listen <laughs> um but i really i really that was the first time i think i ever understood i had read articles before where people were saying like it's such a heavy album and you just need a breather you know and then later on in life you start to see how shows do that and novels do that and things take you to a certain point and then they just let you rest for a minute and so I thought it was aptly named, A Warm Place. And uh, if you do listen to The Downward Spiral, it's pretty much placed in the perfect spot, I think, to go from that to the ex to the next part of the album. And um, yeah, I just I just love that whole song. It's very simple, too, as far as I... Do you think it's Paul, as far as arrangement goes? Do you feel like it's fairly simple? Yeah, I mean, it's got that um, melody that just kind of builds up throughout the whole tune. And there's, again, much like La Mer, there's kind of a pedaling tone that just drives through the piece. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, at that time, Trent was really experimenting with uh, a lot of textures and a lot of just sonic manipulation. The computers were certainly becoming more available to use in in that time um it was just kind of like the the fledgling moment and and i remember him saying that he really didn't like the sound of conventional guitars so he processed the hell out of them to really get them gritty mm. for for that album too so um no it was yeah. i i agree it was perfectly placed um that melody just really put um you know the tune uh, in motion, even though it was repeated, it, it wasn't uh, a constant repetition. There was a B section and things like that. Not to get overly technical, but I felt like um, it definitely could stand out on its own if he put lyrics on it as a, a piece. You know that would accompany vocals very well too. Um, you know, right. funny that you mentioned that one too because that's another song that uh, brought me back in time. In my high school video production class, I used that piece for one of my video productions, um, and <laughs> it was kind of a public safety announcement video. And and I needed something with a little bit of tension to kind of uh, add to the the message about driving safely. And so I felt like it would, nice. you know, in my um, 17 years of experience at the time, I thought it would work nicely. I I got an A on it, so I guess I did something okay. Hey, good job. <laughs> yeah, I'd give you an A just for using it. Well, shucks. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. So, do you have anything to say about that one, or you want me to keep moving? 
Well, all I can say is, at some point in my life, I want to use the phrase sonically manipulated. I've written it down. <laughs> yeah. It's now in the repertoire. <laughs> well, you just did. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Paul, about that, I, I don't want to stay on this for very long, but about that, when you said like the computers are certainly like becoming more and more a part of the picture, mm-hmm. that's that's us as like these older guys, like you know, rooting ourselves back in those mid nineties. Mm-hmm. But you know, somebody that's twenty years old right now has no idea that like. I mean, they may have had like a really, really small window to sample something, you know, like six seconds of something and actually had to play a lot of the instruments, you know, <laughs> into something. It's not just a VST or something. Right, right. Um, I so. wish I knew the name of it off the top of my head, but one of the pioneering sampling systems uh, from the 80s was this giant keyboard with a computer monitor and a little pen that you could touch to sequence and put your samples. Peter Gabriel used it. Herbie Hancock used it. Um, so it was uh, very, very expensive, but uh, some of the bigger artists who had access to it certainly took advantage of it. Yeah. Well, and here we are recording a podcast in three different locations. So Yeah, exactly. On a on my computer. Consumer-grade computer. <laughs> yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Um, okay, I'll move on to lyrics. Um, and what was hard, I think, for the lyrics, number one, I love lyrics. And I think the fact that I'm in my 40s and I've loved music for a long time, it's like, where do you start? You know, because I'm sure it meant something to me to hear something in eighth grade, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, certainly I could even go with like Madonna crazy for you because I liked a girl. And that, <laughs> and then, and then, uh, you know, at the time it was like, oh my gosh, these lyrics are so perfect. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I had to like see what kind of like would go through the, the test of time. Steve, are you laughing at my Madonna? Um, I was just thinking if you actually picked Madonna, we'd probably have to kick you off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hang on a second. Let me make an edit. Um, <laughs> Tony actually went with Fat Boys Crushing. <laughs> yes, why not? Do you um, jailhouse rap? Crazy. See, and I had all of those. Like, how do you not? Okay. Um, anyway, so, but I do remember, I think, um, when Pearl Jam 10 came out, that was a big moment in, for me. And, you know, listening, I listened to a bunch of stuff prior to that. You know, like, I think we were all kind of on that same page. Like, Alice in Chains had released stuff. Soundgarden had been on Sub Pop and releasing some stuff. but. As far as like, um, you know, Alice in Chains lyrics are pretty simple. Soundgarden a lot of times had pretty abstract lyrics. Mm-hmm. Pearl Jam was kind of like grungy poetry on top of music, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so in particular, Black and Garden um, mm-hmm. really had that. And that whole, you know, Black, especially with the whole like, um, I know someday you'll have a beautiful life. I know you'll be a star in someone else's sky, but why can't it be mine? You know, and then seeing him sing that on the MTV Unplugged version, it's just, you know, that's what I gravitate towards, kind of that feeling anyway. And um, I think Pearl Jam 10 through and through, probably beginning to end, actually had some of the best lyrics of the time. Steve, I see you nodding on the screen there. That is my one of my favorite lines of all time. And I almost picked mm-hmm. that song simply be- because of that line. Um, <laughs> it's just brilliant. I mean, I don't know. I go back. It really is. Yeah. Paul, were you into Pearl Jam? You know, at the time, I wasn't as much. um, And it wasn't anything against them. I was just seeking heavier stuff. Um, What's Mm -hmm. funny is through this week, like I mentioned earlier, we've been painting my in-law's new place. 
And so I've had the radio on in the background and um, I haven't brought CDs or anything over just because I don't want to have pain on my fingers and trying to switch stuff out. But um, just the FM mm-hmm. station and the alt station here in the area was was on. And they, of course, they've changed the format. So there's a lot of newer stuff that I haven't heard before. Most of it cool, yeah. some not. But uh, they'll still <laughs> sprinkle some of the, the quote, classics now on there like Pearl Jam and and Offspring and stuff so Pearl Jam popped Uh up uh, some Green Day popped up and I told my wife while we were there it's like it's funny you know back when this stuff was contemporary I would kind of groan and switch the station because I'd heard it too much and I didn't want anything Uh to do with it but now I'm welcoming it so I um, fully embrace my fuddy-duddiness if you will (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah, he went from uh, sonically manipulating to fuddy duddy. <laughs> uh, Stick around, folks. But I, I have more vocabulary later. Kinda... I've been writing stuff down from my thesaurus. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Um, yeah. And then um, on the, when I said Garden from Pearl Jam, like one, one thing particular was I liked a lot of, and still do, I mean, I still like reading poetry, but like T.S. Eliot and Charles Bukowski and... Mm-hmm. You know, T.S. Eliot was really hard to read a lot of times, but I loved how he would move stuff with punctuation and line breaks. Mm-hmm. And so um, I always, I liked Garden anyway for how it felt and how it sounded in the words. But when he would say, uh, the direction of the eye so misleading, the defection of the soul nauseously quick, and he said the word quick very quickly, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he just kind of paused. It was like, to me, that's like just those extra little details that mean so much. So Totally. Um, even... Oh, they actually sang that when Steve and I went to the concert um, this past month, and it was—it still was one of those moments. Like I remember hearing that. I actually was at a campground, um, and I remember hearing that and and noting that, and I've liked it ever since. So very cool. Um, yeah, and I will keep on moving. Um, <laughs> Are you gonna go for it's your funny own th- bonus points? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go for my own bonus points. Um, and it's funny that you guys both kind of mentioned Christmas because this. I was only using it as a sample, not as my actual answer. But, but I do remember like music on in the house during Christmas, and then <laughs> Alvin and the Chipmunks. You know, like mm-hmm. universally, probably across, well, the universe. That's what universally means. Um, who doesn't really know that whole like you know, Alvin Simon Theodore thing? So right. Um, but you know, we were introduced to music back then, so I can say like that kind of stuff roots me in time. But it wasn't really what I was going for for the challenge because I don't know how you guys are, but I can remember a lot of places I was when I heard music for mm-hmm. the first time. Oh, yeah. Um, but so, um, no, actually, I'm skipping ahead. I'm sorry. I have to go with my all time like lyric thing, but I have one quick story here. And Paul, uh, I apologize because I didn't kind of run this past you. But um, so, for those listening, uh, one of my best friends growing up was Johnny, which happens to be Paul's cousin. And um, same age, and, you know, we were friends from eighth grade on. And uh, I remember getting a call from Paul that, and he said, uh, and Johnny's dad's name was John, and Paul said, uh, little John passed away. And I couldn't process it. I was, like, thinking of a rapper, you know, like Lil Wayne or little something, you know, at the time. Yeah, Yeah, and I, I really didn't even know what you meant. And I had just seen him two days before and just talked to him the day before. So it was like, there was nothing in my mind that was processing that. But after you told me, and I was at work, um, I left work and, you know, basically told my family, this is what's happened, but don't talk to me. I just need to be alone. And I think that's where music comes in for me a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And so um, 
I remember listening to um, Say Hello to Heaven by Temple the Dog. Mm -hmm. And there's a line in there that says something about like, uh, I never wanted to write these words down for you with the pages of phrases of things we'll never do. And that just, that, I'd heard that song a million times before, but that, from that moment on, those, those lines kind of belong to Johnny. Mm. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't mean to bring it down, no, but no, um, no, kind of. Well, I also want to show the listeners how kind of close these circles are with all of us. I mean, Steve's married to my sister. Paul and I have our own friendship, but we're connected through Johnny and the whole family. And right, and your so. sister was my art teacher in high school. You know, so <laughs> yeah, you know, it's so. uh, it's a complex web <laughs> for sure. It is, it is. Yeah, but and, it's cool. I mean, yeah. I'm glad for it yeah totally and you know that's that's totally cool man i'm glad you brought that up because um i do remember that day very vividly and and um i couldn't listen to anything i needed silence you know and it's funny peculiar mm -hmm. i should say how you know everyone responds differently to those types of situations um you know yeah. as a bonus bonus not to take a ton of time but after my dad yeah. passed away, uh, he loved Tina Turner, and uh, her song "What's Love Got to Do with It" was uh, uh -huh. a song that he woke me up several mornings belting it out at the top of his lungs because it was on the radio. <laughs> and uh, you know, as a young kid, he was embarrassing me in my own house. Dad, stop that! What are you doing? But sure. it pops up on the radio from time to time, and I just can't help but smile every time I hear it. I think of him. So, you know, that's where music comes in. For sure. I mean. I think people live on through those vibrations too. So, yep. Um, anyway, okay. So let's switch back to chipmunks before we get all mushy here. Yeah. It's all, it's um, just drinks, man. It's kind of making the mood somber. <laughs> exactly. Um, but so I, like I said before, you, you know, you can root yourself in time with some of these other things like hearing Christmas music and, and that might mean something to somebody. But for me, um, there's, um, two things. One is, Damien Rice, who I'm a big fan of, and I talk about poetry. Uh, the guy could not even put the music out, and I could I would still buy his book of lyrics. But with the music, it always it always enhances it. But um, I remember seeing Damien Rice on I think Conan O'Brien or Jay Leno or something, and and I didn't know who he was, and he was playing a song called Blower's Daughter, and I was like utterly bored by how repetitive the chorus was. And then I got recommended by a friend one time when I was working. I a newspaper in Lafayette and they said, you got to check out cheers, darling by Damien Rice. And I was hesitant to do it, but I was working like these late shifts and it was probably one o'clock in the morning. And I went out and put some headphones on and listened to cheers, darling, which is a song basically. Um, it's, it's actually a good funny song. I'm not going to ruin it. I'll just put a link up there. Cause there's a good, good one with Damien describing it, but, um, and it blew me away. And that was one moment in time where I learned, like, man, as an artist myself, as a fine artist myself, like, if someone was to judge me on one thing I drew or one thing I wrote, you know, I'd be screwed. But look at the whole body of work. And now he is in my top 10 performers of all time and and one of my favorite writers of all time. So, you know, just giving it that second chance um, and actually come to like the other song, Blower's Daughter, you know, way better than the first time I heard it. So. Mm -hmm. um, cool. That roots me because I, it, I didn't even want to be in the job I was in, you know. And I was, I was just standing outside in in the dark at one in the morning with headphones on, and it was like a cool night air type thing. And so, um, it was just you know gave me a little bit of hope that keep my creativity alive, and I I would move on past this one day. And here you are, sir. <laughs> here I am. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, 
So, uh, and then the other one is um, Lateralis by Tool. Paul, you and I listen to that at Ball State a lot, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, but there is a song called Reflection on Lateralis, and I could go on and on and on about Tool lyrics, so I won't. <laughs> but um, there's a song called Reflection, and I've never been able to. Art means so much to me, and um, and... I've never been able to really put that in. I mean, how do you put into words like the thing that means almost the most to you? And so, um, and cause I have so many fine details with it with like, I feel like it should be given away at the same time. I think artists should be compensated, you know, and I, I think it should make change in the world and it should make waves, but it shouldn't ruin the world. And you know, how do you say all these things? So, right. um, but in that he says in the song reflection, he says, in my darkest moment, fetal and weeping, the moon tells me a secret, my confidant, as full and bright as I am, this light is not my own, and a million light reflections pass over me. So on that one, what that meant to me was, oh my gosh, when the moon's bright, it's just reflecting light. It's not even, I mean, I don't know why I never put that together in all of the years, but when I finally like put it together, it was like, we need three things. We need a light source. We need some something, and I call those the artists, to reflect it and not claim it as their own. And then you need somebody to receive it, to see that light, you know? Mm-hmm. And so as the song moves on, he says, um, and as I pull my head out, I am without one doubt. I don't want to be down here feeding my narcissism. I must crucify the ego before it's far too late. I pray the light lifts me out before I pine away. And so crucify the ego before it's far too late to leave behind this place so negative and blind and cynical. And you will come to find that we are all one mind, capable of all that's imagined and all conceivable. And so it really just like embodied art to me. You know, art is this energy and it should it should bind us all together and it should be claimed as your own. And, you know, everybody should just kind of, you know, let it do what it's got to do. And all all the way through to this ended up letting, you know, I have a big tattoo on my back and, and I've incorporated some of this into it. It meant that much to me. It took 10 years for me to even pull the trigger on a tattoo, let alone have something that had to do with lyrics. So that's there you cool. go. That's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, it makes total sense that Tool would have a perspective like that, considering Maynard James Keenan's kind of antithesis type nature, you know what I mean? Where he uh, mm-hmm. certainly kind of goes against the grain of, of conven- conventional or contemporary um, standards of art, you know what I mean? So. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, we, we'd had some conversations outside of the show where I recently discovered that he was involved with, uh, you know, like green jello or now green jelly as they're called and <laughs> mm-hmm. things like that, where it was, you know, certainly just, a uh, a mockery of, of the kind of the industry in LA and things. And so, uh, no, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. I know. I'm glad it makes sense. It's just, and, and when I said it brewed me in a moment, I don't know if you guys have had this before. I, I, particularly remember being you know at my place in Muncie but also just that you know when you like it's like when something gets like revealed to you like those like chills you get or when something just completely clicks it makes sense and all the other like superficial stuff is pulled away and you like get a glimpse at something that you know is like a universal truth yeah um that was the feeling I got and I just remember laying there and just <laughs> I don't know, and it's just that feeling has never left me. Every time I hear the song, it's the exact same feeling. Every time I hear it, beautiful. That's awesome, and uh, you yeah. know, it makes me wish I had the energy to stay up till about four o'clock in the morning and and listen to that album tonight. But alas, I do not. <laughs> I know. I'm just trading later years in life. That's right. <laughs> That's all I'm doing. 
Stevie, what do you think about? I mean, you don't have to weigh in on a huge commentary, but I know you're a lyric guy. I mean, and I know you like Maynard's writing. Yeah, I just I, thoughts? I always find it interesting because one of the the complaints you you see online is that people say he's pretentious or whatever. You know, he's kind of phony guy, mm-hmm. but I think the lyrics are just challenging and heady. And you kind of have to dig into them to really pull the meaning out of them, which I think is essentially what the best lyrics do anyway. Um, Sure. I mean, I don't need a story told to me directly in music. It's like poetry, (laughs) and I'd like to take my meaning. And I love it when artists won't tell you the meaning of a song because that song then becomes theirs only rather than everyone's. If everybody can, you know, glean their own meaning, then it's suddenly everybody's song. And I love that, that idea, so... Maynard definitely pulls that out. Cool. Yeah. And uh, just the other little last fun fact on the whole Tool thing is that, I don't know if this is true or not, so it could be internet rumor, but Tool is supposed to represent Maynard writing from his masculine side. Perfect circle, he writes from his female side. And um, Pucifer is supposed to be like an area to just kind of explore and have fun and even incorporate humor. So... You know, leading those three bands, I think he's found a way to get some balance and not be locked into one thing. That's very cool. Yeah. But they all share share excellent writing, so. Yes. That is true. <clears throat> all right. Tony, are you done? Or do you have <laughs> what are you more? Saying? <laughs> what we found on well, the show, folks, on. is that there are rules and then there are Tony rules. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, if it's a Tony challenge, expect the show to go over by 45 minutes or so. No, uh, this, it's great. I tried. I, I was talking fast, and I even left out Ani DeFranco and Bob Mould and all those people. So, oh, yeah. show notes. Well, you know what? I mean, they're going to come up at some point on some show. Yeah. I think it's at some point in time, too, when we get the website up and going, um, we just need to have a place where we can talk more in depth about our own thing if we want to. Sweet. For sure. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. All right. Well, that brings us to uh, new music for the week. Um, we listened to the new Echo and the Bunnymen, and I believe Coheed and Cabria came out with a new album this week. So, um, Paul, do you want to lead us off with... Um, I think you're the only one that actually listened to Coheed. I didn't have time to, so do you want to lead us off with that one? Yeah, so I gave a listen to the new Coheed and Cambria, and this is a band that I've heard uh, pieces of in passing. I've not followed them very heavily. Um, full disclosure, it's not been something that um, I've really been into. Uh, the band sounds good, uh, don't get me wrong, but there's just certain styles um, in rock music that I just don't gravitate toward. And and it's you know not me trying to sound... Uh, you know, negative or, or just, you know, basically it's just not my thing, but I gave this album a listen um, and went in with an open mind, basically, meaning that I didn't go in with a heavy expectation or, or, uh, you know, expecting them to uh, do anything different. I kind of read ahead about it and it kind of falls into their concepts with uh, comic storylines. But um, the, the thing that stuck out to me was, it really didn't take off to me, meaning the the pace stayed pretty consistent. Uh, the dynamics stayed pretty um, consistent as well, meaning that there was just a drive that I didn't hear much change in, in like getting more mellow and building up or anything of that sort. I just heard some riffs and, and the singing. And so 
you know, I, I didn't go into it with uh, like a full set of ears. I was certainly busy while I was listening to it too. And I should give it another listen. But my initial impression for, for my tastes was that, um, you know, it just kind of went through the motion, but it didn't really have any kind of epic standouts or any songs that really uh, gravitated or captivated my attention in the grand scheme of things. So oh, would if, you uh go ahead, Tony? Oh, go ahead, CB. No, go no, ahead. I was going to ask if you were going to rate it. Um, gonna it same here. I'm going to I'm going to give it a, a, probably a more <laughs> thorough rating down the road if we talk about it again. But my initial impression, I'm going to give it two point seven five. Two point seven five. All right. I will check it out this week. Um, I, I had meant to, but I just didn't get around to it. I actually fell into um, Echo and the Bunnymen quite a few times over. And then even dug into some, you know, kind of like recapturing some old time. So um, I just didn't yeah. get around to it, but I will next week. Cool. Yeah. And I think that some of those things, just to mention that we are, we're in a lot of different places now um, and Facebook being one of them, I think maybe we can throw some extra reviews on there, some extra thoughts on Facebook so and have people weigh in. Yeah, totally. I'm, I'm into that. For sure. Um, well, I'll... Um, I'll go ahead and lead off then with uh, the new Echo. And cool. Paul, you can join me. <clears throat> um, I really, I mean, I was kind of excited about it because I hadn't, I didn't follow all the way through. My uh, my time with Echo was really in the mid to late 80s, early 90s, um, kind of in that Smith's time. Um, you know, you've got that amazing Ian McCullough voice um, and you've got those those songs that everybody remembers. And so I was, I was kind of excited to get back in and check this out. And when I started looking at the list, I noticed um, that there were only two new songs on the album. Everything else um, was an older song and they were called transformed. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, you know, I'll give it a shot. And so I started listening and they're super familiar, but there were some definite changes. I thought that really, I, I, I think enhanced the songs um, or maybe even worked better with his, you know, he's older now. Uh, they came out in 1978. Obviously his voice has changed a lot since then. You can't be sixties or 70, you know, and have that same voice. So right. um, he's, it's a little raspier now still sounds amazing. Um, you know, the classic, so they, they transform their own songs. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't, so not remixed or anything. I mean, they actually just re re-recorded Re, them. Yes. Yeah. Re-recorded okay, them. Cool. And, um, Sorry, and they added some different things. Um, Lips Like Sugar sounded very similar. I, I don't know. I think that's probably the most popular song or the most recognizable. Um, but like uh, the song Rust, which is really kind of a slow song. Um, it's, it's obviously a sadder down tune. But they added these, <laughs> these kind of sad, soft horns to it that weren't in the, in the other version. And it was really good. I mean, it made sense in the song. Matched his older voice now. I thought it was really cool. Um, they added a lot of piano to Killing Moon, which sounds amazing. Um, uh. Bring on the Dancing Horses really sounds sounds good. That was one of my favorites from back in the day. Um, but I really was was kind of uh, it was almost like listening to uh, a new album, even though they were old old favorites, you know. Um, so it That's wasn't cool. just a retread, which is what I originally thought. And it's for the the new songs, the Somnambulist and Far Away. Um, nothing new. They're good. They sound just mm-hmm. like the other songs. It's like 
nothing's changed since the beginning of time. Right. Um, they really fit well into the scheme of the whole album. So I dug it. What'd you yeah. think, Paul? Yeah, you know, um, I heard some of their stuff before. It's been a long time, so I don't have as much of a, I guess, working history as, as you have um, from, from their past efforts. But, uh, you know, my initial impression was it definitely took me back in time with the sound. Um, I, I saw the these titles having transformed in parentheses at the end. So that put me on uh, the Google uh, train, if you will. So I, I did a quick look and, and was reading an interview and the the guys were saying that they wanted to basically improve the songs. They felt like they did what they could with what they had at the time, but they definitely wanted to, uh, for their own personal gratification, give us more of a sense of completion. And, um, you know, it was interesting to hear... Uh, you know, kind of that vintage style per se, but with just modern production. So things were more, you know, clean and clear with, uh, you know, higher sample rates and, and digital recording. But, uh, you know, the new, two new songs, like you said, they, they certainly fit the, the mood very nicely and just kind of stayed true to, to the band's overall sound. So I feel like that probably transforming the songs really inspired them. And so when the new songs were written, I could be wrong, they could have been written first for that matter and inspired the transformations but nonetheless the the process certainly complemented the project as a whole tony did you have a chance to listen to any no i was stuck in the cereal aisle <laughs> sorry but i was trying to <laughs> i'll try to get it back to it um no but did you guys I, I i you guys haven't rated it yet i haven't listened to it but did you guys have a, a rating for it out of five yeah i'd give it about a 4.5 um like i said i I anticipated originally after I saw that list, just kind of listening to it one time, and I've gone back a number of times. Um, it's really captured me. I mean, it's I, it's kind of like, you know, when uh, Johnny Cash, you know, when he wrote that song "Hurt," you know, and he no, when he <laughs> no, no, when he's when he sang those songs, his old voice, just like there was something there that just it almost to me was better than his young voice, which was clearly a better voice. I just captured okay. something that he didn't have. And um, for me, I, I guess, especially on the song Rust, that older voice really um, and does enhance those songs. Um, I don't know. It was just kind of a different experience, but it was the same at the same time. And I just, I dug it. I guess I hadn't listened to him for a long time either. So it's kind of like taking me back in time for a bit. I, I, I can't wait to listen to it just because of these reviews. But go ahead, Paul, what's your uh, rating? Yeah, I'd give it a solid four. Um, you know, again, it's not been a band that I've followed through the years, and um, I just, I certainly felt like, again, the vintage flair, the the blast from the past, and overall, it was it was very well done. And this is a good time for me to go back and listen to it because uh, Jesus and Mary Chain opened up for Nine Inch Nails, and it was like I forget that sometimes these artists are still doing stuff mm-hmm. and and sound great, and like Steve said, the voice can change, and sometimes it's either for the better or it just gives a new feel to the whole song. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you guys give it pretty high rating, so I'm definitely gonna go check it out. Sweet. Excellent. Uh, let's, before we, we get to Paul's challenge, let's just mm-hmm. go ahead and do a quick round table on uh, what we are actually listening to right now, other than the reviews. Okay. And we'll start off with you, Tony. Okay. Um, I, like I said before, I try to kind of use this space for, to get away from the things that were in the reviews or the challenges. Um, so it's kind of a newer what's in my, what I'm listening to in my car or whatever. So um, right now there is a uh, song called pre waste by bones uh, despicable by grandson. 
and a song called Unforgiven by Ruby Friedman and Two Beards. And we'll post links to those, but all fantastic songs. Very nice. nice. What about you, JPP? I've uh, been all over the radar. Like I said, with painting, I was listening to the alt station, so a lot of 90s grunge and, and things like that were kind of popping through. But um, I sought out uh, this week, just because I was in the mood, uh, the Underworld soundtracks. There mm. are some great tunes, great remixes and covers in there. Ren Holder uh, does some really cool yes. stuff. There's uh, a track with Bowie on there, Maynard's in there as well um so yeah, I, i'll put some links in the show notes there about them but uh particularly the first two albums were were very full um you know i'd love to do a, a an episode about movie soundtracks sometime uh, you know especially with uh, movies that use artists that kind of group together for collaboration for that project specifically because some really interesting things come about but um, aside from that, um, we didn't get into it to this show, so I'm going to ask if you guys get a chance to check out the new 21 Pilots. I'd like to review that next week, and I'd love to get your input on that as well. Okay, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Groovy. All That's right. What, uh, uh, the, uh, I, I think, it, is it the uh, is it on the Underworld soundtrack? There's a song by The Cure. Yes, um, there's a, um, a, uh, a cover of it. Um, I'm trying to think what it is, but there's like, the, I almost picked that for my lyrics because of how cool it was. <laughs> um, gosh, I can't remember. We'll have to, we'll have to try to find that. It's the, what's the name of the song? Uh, underneath the, no, not underneath the stars. Is it the, underneath the stars, right? Uh, yeah. The one is like, um, uh, how did we get so far apart? Um, this was like a 13 million years with you. Uh, underneath these stars, basically this, and it's all it's all ours tonight or something. I can't remember. I have to look it up, but it, I don't think it, I don't know. I have to go back and and listen. But I, it's it's a beautiful song, and I think Maynard might be in there in on that track. Okay, um, so I'll have to check. I don't know. Yeah, we can we'll, we'll figure it out. Cool, got it. <laughs> all right, <laughs> sorry, Steve. Uh, hey, no worries, no worries. I was just thinking to myself if we ever do talk about. Soundtracks. I promise, I'm not going to use Star Wars. <laughs> I'm going to really accept the challenge. So. Awesome. Really? I'm breaking out. Okay. Uh, for me this <laughs> week, obviously, I spent a lot of time, you know, listening to Echo and the Bunnymen. But I did. Um, <clears throat> one of the songs was released from Nothing But Thieves' upcoming EP. What did you think when you made me this way? Uh, the song is called Forever and Evermore. And honestly, um, I'm not digging it. Um, it's just, uh, I don't, you know, I mean, what are you going to do? Tell somebody how they're supposed to sing their songs or whatever, but you know, I love Connor's voice and I think it, it kind of gets underused in the song. That's just their choice and they're probably right and I'm wrong, but <laughs> that's not what I want in my nothing but thief song. So I'm yes. hoping the other three really, uh, lay me out, but didn't love it, but I'm still excited for the EP. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. I'm excited to hear it too, but I haven't heard that track yet, so. Yeah, it is released, so I think you probably get it on Spotify. Okay. All right, Paul, have you had enough time? I've had enough time to come up with a challenge. It's challenging to come up with challenges, folks. So if you're listening and have some ideas, not saying that we don't want to do the work, but we would love input as well because uh, this is a community, and we definitely would love to have you uh, join in on the conversation. Um, uh-huh. I'm not copying out, for real. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> excuse me. So... Here's my challenge. 
can you come up with an album that was highly anticipated by at least yourself that you were very anxiously awaiting only to be completely let down when you finally got a chance to hear it? Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> well, I know Madonna has done that for me. <laughs> the answer is definitely yeah. not Rush. <laughs> that's a good one, Paul. Cool. That okay. is a good one. Yeah, that I mean, I'm, I'm gonna have to do some soul searching on that one myself. So I'm I'm challenging myself here. Yeah, I guess it'll have to throw us back a little bit because other than the Tool album, there's not a lot of anticipation these days. Right. Yeah, there's certainly enough uh, social media and leaks and plugs to uh, you know kind of keep you satisfied until something comes out. I remember you know reading new issues of magazines and oh, I'm not seeing anything on this band, and all of a sudden finally see a little paragraph about them, and then um, you know the album mm-hmm. would just kind of you know, appear on you magically and you didn't get the memo that it was coming out. And, you know, that's how yeah. disconnected I was, but I was always oh. glad to see it on the shelf. I yeah. miss that's having a magazine come in the mail and read the Me magazine too. about your artist. So there's, I know I can just click on the internet, but I really miss that. Yeah. Subscriptions mm-hmm. to Rolling Stone and Spin forever. Uh, and it was always just awesome when they came. I know. Not Hit Parader? Oh. I did not have that delivered. <laughs> Yeah. Did we? Did you say which one? Did you say hit parade? Rolling Stone and oh him. Oh yeah, not that one. Sorry, What's, which one did Steve say? National uh, Enquirer and uh, no uh, <laughs> Rolling Stone and Spin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, that's right. And I remember uh, uh, AP. Remember that one, Alternative Press. Oh yeah, yeah, sweet. I don't know why those are the, those are the big three that I think I had come to my door and somehow my dad paid for them until he found out he was paying for them. <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay, well, that's a great challenge, Paul. Looking forward to doing that one next week. Likewise. All right, I think that pretty much wraps us up for this week. Paul, any last words or where we should be able to find you? Yeah, you can find me at justplainpaul.com. If you just uh, go to any of the social networking sites and put Just Plain Paul at the end, you'll find me. Um, Also, too, uh, be sure to follow us on Instagram at uh, Wanderings and Wool Gathering. We do have an account there, and you can find us on our Facebook page at Wanderings and Wool Gathering as well. Very good. And I am still doing the email thing, so teabags at wanderingsandwoolgathering.com. Um, and I, I'm going to do the same kind of plug there. Uh, if you find us on Facebook or Instagram, please like interact with us. Let us know what you're listening to or what challenges we should do or what you think of the show. Excellent. And try to type in tea bags at wanderings and we'll gather without smiling. I dare you <laughs> try to Google tea bags. <laughs> please don't. Anyway, <laughs> you can find me, uh, foggy's pal on Twitter and on Instagram. And you can also find me editing the fine writers over at breakthefourth.com and I think that's it thank you all for listening this week and we will see you again next week hey peeps the wanderings and wool gathering podcast is now on iTunes give us a review and rating there we would love your feedback on the show also if you're on Facebook you can find us at wanderings and wool gathering please like comment and share the content with your friends and on YouTube You can hit that subscribe button, like, and comment as well. We would love your feedback in regards to the topics we cover in the show, including your own suggestions for review. There's lots of music out there, and we would love to talk about it. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next week.